Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Danger. And I'm I'm still Grayson. Well, sorry. I, I went by. Oh, yeah. Your middle. Oh, well, then I'm Douglas. <laughs> we have to go back. Today, with Halloween Kills making its way to theaters, we decided that we needed to send someone to stop him. So who else to stop him than the 1997 movie, Austin Powers, colon, International Man of Mystery. Oh, that's right. Michael Myers, Mike Myers, and No Time to Die. Yeah. I love the way we do things, Ricky. I I do, too. (laughs) Oh, I'm so excited to be reviewing this movie. Uh, In case this is your first time joining us, uh, we like to take a look at movies that were released in the past based off of movie releases today. I think that's maybe the simplest I've ever explained our podcast. Oh, wow. Uh, And we are looking at this movie because of a very funny tie-in. But if you don't remember Austin Powers, wow, ha, I I envy you. I wish I could go back and experience Austin Powers for the first time. Uh, But Austin Powers uh, is turned into a trilogy and a franchise. Um, It's largely just a spy comedy series uh, about a temporarily displaced British Ministry of Defense agent named Austin Powers and his arch nemesis, Dr. Evil, who is obsessed with taking over the world and whose plans Austin consistently foils. Now, this movie had such a presence in pop culture that, uh, not unlike the Halloween movie, like they, they had Halloween costumes oh, of, yeah. of Austin Powers, a.k.a. Michael Myers, which I think is just really great because, uh, as I'm sure a lot of you know, the iconic Halloween mask is actually a mask of just spray. They just spray painted white a William Shatner mask. <laughs> Who just went to space. Triple relevant, Ricky. We've never reached triple relevance before. Never. And I, I don't, don't think do. we will. Mm. What I do with my hands? <laughs> Ever again. Uh, and we're, you know, reviewing this movie. So anyway, let's go ahead. <laughs> just, and, uh, but from the casual observer, it's like, yeah, William Shatner went to space. That's why we reviewed Austin <laughs> Powers. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. that's, that's not untrue. <laughs> No, it's not. Uh, so the uh, the the Austin Power franchise uh, begins here with International Man of Mystery. The synopsis for this movie uh, takes place in the '60s, and when Doctor Evil is cryogenically frozen and launches himself into space, uh, Austin Powers has frozen himself as well to await the day that Dr. Evil returns. And then 30 years later, which lands them into the 90s, both characters find themselves very outdated. Uh, Austin is a walking punchline from the swinging 60s, and Dr. Evil finds out that his evil syndicate uh, is completely overshadowed by Starbucks. He's like, we will hold the world hostage for one million dollars like oh actually um our our company brings in at least 90 billion dollars like oh really huh um okay i guess uh, a bigger number maybe 
Uh, and so then that leads us to follow our protagonist, the world-class playboy and part-time secret agent from the 60s uh, to solve the crime and thwart Dr. Evil. Now, this movie was not really the project that people were expecting from uh, Mike Myers in the 90s. Because uh, so, they were actually clamoring for a Wayne's World 3 mm-hmm. at the time. But Michael Myers decided to not do that. Instead, he decided to work on this movie, which is a culmination of a lot of things. So the character of Austin Powers actually started where all great things start, Grayson. And that's in a band. Uh, ah. So so Myers, uh, Matt Sweet, and Susanna Hoffs uh, formed a faux British 1960s band called Ming T. All the band members underwent pseudonyms with 1960s persona, and Myers adopted the pseudonym and character of Olsten Powers. Oh, isn't that who plays in the transitions? <laughs> yes, that's the band. Yeah. So the, oh, okay. So More movies that- need musical transitions, by the way. But I saw that name on the credits, and okay, so they were actually in it. Cool. Yeah, and they played in the credits. Uh, in the later movies, they also uh, sing other songs like Daddy Wasn't There uh, and all those other the songs that exist throughout the rest of the series, it's the band that made the character. Ah. And they went on tour. They had, um, you know, live club and television performances. Uh, And so the many elements that created Austin Powers were, A, uh, Austin's then wife, Robin Rusin, encouraged him to write a film based around Austin Powers. Uh, Also, uh, Myers lost his father in the early 90s and um, his father really influenced him because he introduced him to a lot of British films, a lot of music and comedy of the 60s and 70s. He's gone on to say, quote, After my dad died in 91, I was taking stock of his influence on me as a person and his influence on me with comedy in general. So Austin Powers was a tribute to my father who introduced me to James Bond, Peter Sellers, The Beatles, The Goodies, Peter Cook, and Dudley Moore. Mm -hmm. Uh, In addition to that, uh, the British television series Adam Adamant Lives uh, is a 1966 uh, TV series uh, all about an Edwardian adventurer who is revived in 1966 after being frozen by his evil arch nemesis, The Face. Also, the glasses that Austin Powers wears is modeled after the same kind of glasses that Michael Caine, Michael Caine wears in his uh, spy series called Harry Palmer. Oh, who would then later come back in the, the later movies. Yeah, look at that. It all wraps in on itself. Well, and you're talking about Mike Myers drawing from personal experience and people in his life. Uh, you know, people have talked about how Dr. Evil has a lot of the same mannerisms as Lorne Michaels. Uh, and especially during the time that Mike Myers was a cast member on SNL. So you, you see all the little influences. Yeah. And speaking of that role specifically, originally, uh, Myers sought out Jim Carrey to play the role of Dr. Evil. Oh, wow. Yeah, but he he was interested, but had to turn down the role due to scheduling conflicts with Liar Liar, which I feel like was a hard conversation to believe. He's like, oh, sorry, I can't do this movie. I'm doing another movie called Liar Liar. It's just like, listen, if you don't want to be in the movie, just say it. You can just say it. There's no way. (laughs) Like a liar. Liar? You obviously just made that up right now. It's a Pinocchio remake. (laughs) Um, 
<laughs> no, I I love that it's both played by Mike Myers because it gives them even more of a connection. These are the two characters displaced in time. They have the same kind of crutch, which is we don't know what's happening uh, in the world. And so I right. think that that duality plays really well when it's both of them. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, and it also builds the lore later on in the series. I just, oh, yeah. I, I just love it. So this movie uh, was produced by uh, New Line, and they weren't expecting a lot from this movie. It is reportedly uh, to have received the worst test screening scores in studio history. Oh, wow. Uh, so with a budget of $16.5 million, it went on to make, in the box office, over $67 million dollars. Uh, but that's not where it got its popularity. It became a monster hit on VHS and rentals to the point, Grayson. Uh, and typically, we don't cover stats from other movies. Uh, but the movie proved so popular a home release that the sequel grossed more in its opening weekend than the original did in its entire theatrical run and wow. was a bona fide summer blockbuster. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I... um. Huh. I would be interested to know what version was in that test screening because I've seen deleted scenes from the first Austin Powers and there's one where I'm like, yeah, that was a good, good note to cut that where <laughs> you, you go uh, and see the, the family of one of the henchmen that got killed while Austin <laughs> is like trying to get into the fortress. Yeah. And it really villainizes <laughs> Austin Powers. And you're like, oh, that's right. Like all of these side characters have families. I think it's it's either the the Michael McDonald character that gets run over by the yeah. steam uh, steamroller or yeah. it's the guy that gets his head eaten with the sea bass. I forget which one, but you see his family. And you're like, oh, yeah, you had like a baby and stuff. And you don't really uh, you don't really connect with Austin the same way. So there's so many moments like that that could have had this not hit the way it did. But uh, it definitely caught on. And I certainly was one of those that got the rental, uh, saw it at <laughs> home. Uh, this was a big movie for me because I, I think, if I'm remembering correctly... It was like the first grown-up comedy that I got to see as a yeah. kid. I remember I watched it with my parents, my whole family. Uh, it was Friday night, blockbuster rental, and uh, we just had Quiznos and drank squirt grapefruit soda. That is always <laughs> – it's seared into my brain, that moment of watching this for the first time. And uh, it was just like the funniest thing I had seen. And, uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was a big movie for me. Yeah, I, I this movie, first off, no surprise here, a part of the YMCA Criterion Collection, uh, if it's uh, your uh, first uh, time <laughs> joining us on the podcast. Hello, old friend. I watched a lot of movies in the early 2000s at the YMCA, <laughs> and oftentimes my first recollection of watching a movie, I'm like, this is, it's part of the YMCA Criterion yeah. Collection. I guess my version of that is watching movies with uh, a Quiznos Italian sub <laughs> And a squirt grapefruit soda. First time we're introducing it on the podcast, but now that I think about it, it's kind of true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and here's something interesting, I think, that I didn't realize fully when I was originally watching Austin Powers. I hadn't, and still to this day, have not really seen a single James Bond 007 movie. Yeah, I've only seen, seen one all the way through. No, and it was seen, Casino Royale. <laughs> but yeah. 
Yeah, which is a testament to how well they parody this, right? Because you yes. can get the reference without... So, Ricky, this is really tough. The two of us <laughs> reviewing it then with our extremely limited knowledge of James <laughs> Bond, there may be references in here that we just think we can't even fathom because we don't have that experience. Yeah, based off of my, um, my uh, research... Random task is that's named odd after job. a odd job. That's the, and that's I only know that because of the game. So I've played countless hours of the James Bond games. Yeah, but I've only seen one of the movies all right. the way through. Yes. Yeah, yes, mm-hmm. yeah. I was familiar, with, of course, with like the Nintendo sixty four game. Um, yeah, uh, but yes, film wise, I haven't seen any of it. But that being said, I appreciated Austin Powers way, way more. Uh, because I'm like, look at this completely original, <laughs> original thing. Because I, I had watched uh. action movies, but I, I, I didn't know. I knew it was parodying the genre of spy movies. But again, I'm pretty sure I mentioned this whenever we reviewed Scream. But when I first watched the scary movie uh, parody of Scream, I had not seen Scream. So I'm like, look at the, look how smart uh. this movie is. <laughs> they wrote a completely original script that's parodying the horror movie genre. And then I saw Scream and I said, well, Scream really did the heavy lifting yeah. <laughs> for a scary they, movie. They really poke holes in this genre from within. Huh. <laughs> but Austin Powers, after understanding uh, very specific references, because like James Bond is so permeated into the culture, even if you've never seen a James Bond film, you know what the elements of James Bond's films are. Mm-hmm. And I felt that same way watching Austin Powers. I was like, now I get the joke. Now I understand what they're going with, and I understand these things. So there are certain moments that were funnier to me this time around than when I originally watched it. Uh, the whole <laughs> Scotty and Doctor Evil is just like, I why, why don't you just kill him now? He's like, No, I'm not. I'm going to put him in the trap and close it, and <laughs> an easily escapable trap. It's like. I have a gun in my room right now. I'll go get it. We'll kill him together. That <laughs> scene, I, 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 I laughed the hardest. But I remember <laughs> as a kid when I was first watching this movie, all of the innuendos were the top of comedy for me at the time. But also just all of the that that <laughs> the the physical comedy in this. When they were trying to make the U-turn in that little hallway, I remember when I was watching this movie as a kid at the YRCA thinking comedy was invented today. <laughs> today. Because <laughs> no one's doing this. No, just the U-turn and him just try. I remember that was just one of the funniest yeah. scenes for me as a kid. I remember that particular scene making my dad laugh till he cried. <laughs> and then it was referenced forever in our house. As many houses across the world, anytime you're Parked weird. Yep. It's Austin Powers. Yeah. Austin Powers. And speaking of that, Austin Powers just really uh, infiltrated the culture to such a degree it actually influenced the James Bond franchise. Uh, Daniel Craig, who has uh, been the most recent Bond, uh, credited Austin Powers for its serious tone. And he's gone on to say, quote, we had to destroy the myth of James Bond uh, because Michael Myers screwed us. <laughs> <laughs> End quote. 
Daniel Craig, uh, because uh, it, they made it impossible for them to do gags or references from earlier Bond films because the producers feared that people wouldn't be able to take James Bond seriously after Austin oh. Powers. Very similarly to what happened with Batman and all of the campiness of um, the Joel Schumacher Batman. Like that's why they decided to like, okay, let's do a reboot and make it kind of darker and grittier. And so it's kind of an interesting life cycle of what happens with these popular action franchises. That's why I'm just waiting for David Fincher's Inspector Gadget. I think it's, <laughs> that's the same reaction Bring we're looking for. <laughs> that's what I want. That's what I want. Daniel Craig is <laughs> Inspector Gadget. Oh, that'd uh, be so good. Yeah. Uh, no, that's interesting. We're like, yeah, you kind of like pulled the veil down and now everyone, we can't have like a Goldfinger type character. Right. Uh, because it just seems like a parody of ourselves. Huh? Oh, so yeah, it's, uh, this was really fun to watch. Now, one of the things I noticed this time around that I didn't realize before, uh, was it's, it's a very interesting thing. So the first act of the movie don't remember at all. I was like, did I not see Austin Powers? Like, I was watching this movie because I remember watching The Spy Who Shagged Me uh, right, a lot. Yeah. And and because of, you know, the style and the uh, the way Austin Power movies basically have their own orbit and own, like, gravity of jokes, uh, they all kind of blend together for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was convinced. I was like, did I not see this movie? But then it started, like, slowly coming back to me between, like, the second and third act of the movie. Uh, But the biggest thing that I didn't realize about this movie is how Austin Powers is really a full-time photographer and just part-time spy. Like, he (laughs) loves photography more than I've ever seen. Ricky, that sounds like headcanon. That is solidly in that realm. Yeah. They literally have him, like, anytime he is taking pictures, you just see his character come to life. And, like, and they end it with them just having a photo shoot. I'm like, okay. Because I thought about that. I was like, is this headcanon? Or I'm pretty sure this is just fact at this point in time. But anyway, mm. I just uh, th- that was something I wow. didn't notice before. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's really good. Yeah, does that continue through the other two? I'm trying to remember now if he I takes wonder- as many pictures. But he's got that huge, like telephoto lens, and right. he's got the tiny one. He's got a lot of different cameras. I'll give you that. He, yeah. He, Big he bag car- of cameras. He packed one gun, several cameras. I'm just yeah. saying. Mm. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Mm. <sighs> oh, that's good. Yeah, that was the main thing I noticed. <laughs> what did you notice, Grayson? Well, I similarly could not remember where this movie ended and uh, the second one started. So I was anticipating the Elizabeth Hurley twist. Right. Um, which for them to say like, no, they they got married, live happily ever after. And then to the first one and then they're like, ah, just kidding. In the second one. Um so I, I remembered that, and I'm, I'm not spoiling it or anything, but uh, I was watching it knowing that that was true, that that was canon uh, of who she was or what she was and all that kind of stuff. And so, uh, yeah, I was just like, man, this they really did not treat anything with any kind of like precious, uh, you know, hey, you, you got to leave that as it is they're like yeah main character can't come back all right we're gonna completely undo this and be completely fine with it yep 
Yeah. And in the movie, it, it's really interesting because it, it holds a lot of really interesting, like social commentary, especially about like the 90s or the 60s. Uh, and it was I, I'm just I, I'm really impressed with what Michael Myers is able to create just as a world building thing, because he, he has the writer credit. Like this is like written by Mike Myers and yeah. the the whole world that he created that both takes itself seriously, but also uh, doesn't take itself so seriously. It's just he he just really knows how to write uh, parody very well. And I just really appreciated that because uh, if you look at this movie in the time frame of like the 90s, it's just like no one said, you know what we need to do? We need to do a James Bond parody. <laughs> like no one, like no one was asking for this movie. I, I can't imagine. Like people were like, "No, give us another Wayne's World. That's what we want for you, Michael Myers." And he said, "Nah, got this other thing. It's gonna be a comedy spy thriller, and uh, it's, it's it's gonna be uh, unlock." It's like, oh, kind of like James Bond, or like because they did do they've done several spy comedies. There's like Spies mm-hmm. Like Us um, or Naked Gun, like other movies that have like directly parodied genres of the spy nature but this one was just so uniquely different because they took a time period and they have all these other different influences that and and i know we've talked before about parodying things that you love and you can really tell that you can tell that mike myers loves spy movies very similar to how will ferrell went on to parody sports Mm -hmm. um and music yeah and music and just really take the the thing that you love and kind of find where the comedy is in it. Uh, it, it just gives you an appreciation for what you can do with style and mm. um, and instead of making fun of something, laughing with the material and still giving and delivering on all the elements that make the thing that you're parodying great. Like yeah. it, it, it's the reason why they had this shift tone was that he got so good at making James Bond movies. <laughs> They're like, oh, well, we got to really change the way we make James Bond movies, apparently. <laughs> they figured it out. What's really wild is at the time of recording this podcast, we're only six years away from the same amount of time that Austin was frozen uh, to now so like oh. it was 30 years we're six years away from 30 years since austin powers came out so yeah. in 2027 if they were like yeah we're gonna make like maybe that's what they're waiting for with the fourth one which we can talk a little bit about coming up here but uh there's just like that that gap i realized was like oh my goodness yeah what has changed in our world since oh. 1997 <sighs> man so much. We have another Space Jam. So I guess not too much has That's changed. It's the biggest thing. Yeah. <laughs> Grayson. Now, you know, mm-hmm. movie was called Austin Powers colon, you know, International Man of Mystery. I really think that if they were to do another Austin Powers movie, they, I mean, you know, we, we, we'll talk about that later in Recast and Remake. But I think that another one, just because of the way that um, that big boy kind of like showed up throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. I think they could have called the movie uh, Austin Powers colon head cannon. And you could put those on uh, the sharks. Yeah. <laughs> That's all he wanted. That's all he wanted. Freaking lasers on sharks. Uh, head cannon is a part of the show. We share a few unique ideas and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. Um, I, I guess I kind of, you know, 
already said the photo thing. But again, I think that's just <laughs> fat canon. I think yeah. it's just fat canon. It's just true. Um, but my uh, my main piece of headcanon is just that this movie uh, does exist in a larger universe of um, of uh, pseudo musicals. Because there are, hmm. uh, there are several musical numbers throughout this movie, uh, especially in the opener. That's what Austin Powers, I know, kind of became known for. I mean, it's it's three movies, but I, I remember that, like, okay, what, what are they going to do this time? Uh, and so, and they have the musical transitions. And so, I just really do think that uh, this is only technically a musical. Yeah, well, you got Burt Backrack singing straight to camera. Yeah. He's on, on the bus. So, yeah. They have all the swingers gone. I'd like to see that full Broadway show of Austin Powers, the musical. Have they not? You know what? That's so interesting. They haven't. I don't think they've tried to do that's where it needs to go. The stage. The stage. Yeah, we're in recast remake territory now, but that's uh, that's the next iteration. Yeah. My headcanon, I had a difficult time with headcanon for this because they play so much with the reality already of what is happening here and who's being deceived and whatnot. At first I was like, oh, maybe it's like a James Bond variant, right? Because they never talk about Bond. But I was like, yo, wait a minute. I can go one step further. And, you know, we just finished uh, the run of What If, that this is a variant of (laughs) Agent Carter. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to take a completely different Well, slash Steve Rogers, because it's they're frozen in time. They're, they uh. are asleep for a long time. So it's like that Captain America, Captain Carter variant. Um, and then they wow. go to meet up with Dr. Evil, a very rich weapons manufacturer. So Dr. Wow. Evil's a variant of Tony Stark, mm-hmm. who's friends with a guy with an eye patch and has this kid that he doesn't always get along with. Uh, so yeah, Scott's Spider-Man. And wow. um, that makes his, uh, his... That makes Frau Armenzola, by the way, in case you're you're keeping track, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it means all the fembots are Ultrons. Uh, wow. So there you go. Wow. This is basically just a variant extrapolation of Civil War. So um, yeah, there you go. And Vanessa's Black Widow. Yeah. I mean, it just it it's there. It's there. So let, once I saw it, I couldn't unsee it. Let me tell you why I thought you were going to say Grayson. <laughs> what I thought you were going to say is this is a what if. Um, Michael Myers from Halloween <laughs> never became a murderer. Oh, there you go. That's better. I like that. <laughs> I thought I you were like gonna say, like, no, this is a this is an else world. Like <laughs> Must we not, are... should not interfere. <laughs> Maybe interfere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like we could have gotten this. Oh, really great, uh, really great spy. Saves a lot of lives. Lives in London. We'll figure that out later, origin-wise. But what if, if he does it... <laughs> well, what if all of this is happening in the mind of Michael Myers while he's in the institution? Oh. It's much more playful that way. And he just yeah. thinks everyone's henchmen when he gets out. Like, he's wow. just working his way through. Wow. He doesn't care that they have families, <laughs> per the deleted scene. <laughs> oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. That's great. I, I Austin like your... Powers is a secret Halloween movie. <laughs> no, I, I like your your uh, your Marvel tie-in. That's really great. The eye patch did a lot of the heavy lifting. If mm-hmm, I'm being honest, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> All right, now we're going to go to the part of the show where we like to talk about recasts and remakes. 
What what recast? What remake? If this movie were to be made today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? Here's what I would love to do. I know we talked about uh, you know the 30 year jump, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I really think that this movie is uh, you know ripe for a reboot, and I think that they I would love for them to still have Mike Myers at the creator helm, but more than anything. I want Jenny Slate to come in in the Casino Royale kind of level reboot of Austin Powers. Oh, um, and it would. I just think that's 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 it. Like they they just do a, a Casino Royale parody, and it's Jenny Slate as Austin Powers, uh, and it's just Jenny Slate and. Uh, very it's 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 (laughs) uh like the the puffy shirt glasses but everything else matches the same tone (laughs) of casino royale uh and it's just and it's just funny because of that that's it like that that's it that's uh that's what i want for like i i could i i don't know there was just a certain look that austin powers made i'm just like Ginny slate it's Ginny Ginny slate that's my guess remake no, that's good. I, yeah, I went with the remake angle, and I mean they've talked about uh, four Austin Powers four for a long time. Um, I think it eventually it will happen. Maybe they're waiting for the thirty year um, to to make that connection. But um, yeah, I I like the idea of passing on the mantle just like the James Bond movies do. I think that's one more thing they can do to be like, yeah, that makes it even more like the thing that it's doing a parody of. I really would love Sam Richardson to step into the role of Austin Powers. Hilarious actor. He's uh he was in Veep, was kind of his, his bigger break. He's in I Think You Should Leave. And then most recently in season two of Ted Lasso. So mm. he's just a hilarious actor, and I think him uh in the Austin Powers role would be great. Uh and then Kira Knightley for Vanessa. Um, because I, I think there's already a lot of mannerisms between Elizabeth Hurley and Kira Knightley, and I think that'd be a, a good handoff there. Um, but yeah, to to come back with a fourth one, and it's like the same stretch of time that he was frozen. I just feel like there's there's so much. But what struck me, and similar to the Marvel thing, once I saw it, I couldn't unsee it. Was uh, I really just want an Austin Powers Zoolander crossover? Oh, and whoa! I mean, it's spies, it's secret assassins, it's crazy fashion. Yes, uh, and I think the connective tissue would be. The secret headcanon, which I had to get to this point to backtrack to it, is that Will Ferrell's character of Mustafa, we're not going to touch that, but that he, uh, when he went down the chute, became, he went from Mustafa to Mugatu. And that is how he reinvented himself to create his own evil empire. And that's the, the connective tissue there. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And they That's... probably use the same um, uh, model builders out of Chicago as they do for their little little center for ants. Yep. Oh, mm-hmm. that's good. That's really good. You had me at the at the miniatures. <laughs> that's uh, that's really great. I love it. I also originally I was like, oh, they should make Austin Powers into a video game, but 
they have several Austin Power video games oh, making what? this a full on franchise. Uh, and so I also think that this would be, uh, I think if they were to do a remake of Austin Powers, I would want two things. One, I would love an Austin Powers open world game. Uh, that would just be uh, <laughs> really, really interesting just because whenever he was driving in the Shagwire, mm-hmm. um, I was just like, oh man, I wonder what it would be like to drive that. Let's write that down. Like a, a GTA, but Austin Powers. Uh, but I also think that Austin Powers, if they did do a fourth one, I would love for them to do a Bandersnatch Choose Your Own Adventure oh, version yeah. of Austin Powers. Um only because Shaq now, Shaq later. And so they yeah, just set, <laughs> set you off on a completely yeah. different path. There, that was the uh, moment. <laughs> there, that's the moment. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I, think that that, uh, I think that that would be really, really interesting. And because so much of this movie was improvised, I think that you have the material. Like, especially Mike Myers... Uh, being at the creator helm, just making a fourth Bandersnatch type uh, choose your own adventure for Austin Powers, Netflix. Let's make it happen. Yeah, no, that's great. I, you could create so many branch timelines from that of even like when he is woken up, you know, right? It doesn't always have to be the same time. Hmm. Oh, yeah. All right, now we're going to go into the final part of the show where we like to give you our reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend? Austin Powers, colon, International Man of Mystery. So I recommend Austin Powers because, I mean, it's Mike Myers is the heart of all of this. Like you said, he's the sole writer on this film. And it's one of the greatest showcases of his talents, not only as a writer, but as an actor and just an all-round comedian. Like you said, the language of comedy through all these movies is so tight and, and so much part of the identity of the movie, and that stems from him. So uh, he really is like everything. I can't imagine really doing another Austin Powers without him. I don't think they could. Um, He's got to be attached in some way. So even through all of our recasts and remakes, I think back of our head, like he has to be there somehow. Um, And then I think it's just a reflection of the times, right? So they were making comments on 1997 in 1997, but that still plays in 2001. Even Dr. Evil, and that was one thing that I, I definitely didn't get the depth of this before, was when Dr. Evil says, well, the things that you stand for are now considered evil in this world. And that whole argument about, you know, relative morality and shifting of, uh, you know, what is acceptable and social, uh, what is socially appropriate, um, incredibly relevant discussions uh, in 2021, for sure. Even more so, I'd say, now than it was in 97. So it's uh, definitely a relevant movie to rewatch. And the arguments between the characters highlight what we always say is the greatest thing between a hero and a villain or anti-hero is they they believe in their own philosophy. And that's clearly established to the audience and said out loud. And um, you're right there with them. Like, Thanos can do his thing as long as we understand why he's doing it. And uh, we get that here with Dr. Evil and Austin. Um, So... And on top of that, I think we have the benefit of another layer of nostalgic charm to where the way that Austin 
is thinking about the time when he grew up is really how you and I are thinking about the time when the movie's taking place. It's why we do this podcast. <laughs> so uh, I think that layer has been added and will continue to grow, um, which was a nice surprise to kind of discover that uh, along the way. I forgot to mention Mr. Bigglesworth's definitely a flurkin. Back to headcanon. <laughs> All right, and we're back. Uh, and that, uh, you know, every scene... Uh, just feels like it houses a classic line. I mean, it's an incredibly quotable movie. Um, we know because the people in our grade levels wouldn't stop doing it. Uh, but re-watching it and having some distance, you can not be annoyed by your friend quoting it and instead just be like, oh man, yeah, that all came from this movie. An yes. hour and a half generated so many quotes uh, and royalty-free Halloween costumes. How is that possible? Um, but it's just a comedy icon. Uh, it's a classic. So if you haven't seen it somehow, go check out Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery. Absolutely, because he, here's the thing that I really appreciate about Austin Powers is that uh, parody isn't always easy to get right. Uh, I mean, th th we can cite several movies, but that's not what this podcast is about. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it's, it's more than just making fun of something and just like, isn't this ridiculous? But it's also in... Um, having fun with the material. Uh, it's shifting your expectation of these rhythms that movies create, right? Uh, and so I, I really just like how they approached the parody of this movie. Uh, and they, they didn't just say, isn't James Bond bad at his job? Like, no. Like, they said, no. Let's put this James Bond character uh as the top of their field and have fun with that. Uh, and I just really, really appreciate that. So especially with, you know, kind of the end of an era with uh, the newest, uh, with the latest James Bond movie kind of ending, uh, I think it's definitely worth looking back at uh, just the other side of that coin and that genre with this movie, because it launched so much and it, it just reminds you of just like how much fun it is to uh, to have a character like that be created and to look at that like, oh, man, like if like what kind of character could I create with any other genre? That's not just specifically one character, because Austin Powers in the research of this, it's an amalgamation of so many different references and he just became uniquely his own, which I just uh, really appreciate. So there's a lot to appreciate about this movie and there's so much to dive in and, um, and inquire. So uh, that's, that's, that's your assignment. Have it on my desk on Monday. <laughs> and that is our review of the 1997 movie, Austin Powers, colon, International Man of Mystery. Let us know what you remember about the first Austin Powers movie on our social media, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our code name is at Flashback Flicks. And it would mean so much to us if you could leave us a rating and review on your podcasting platform of choice on a scale of one to five. Um, uh, shoes? Who, who shoes? throws a shoe? <laughs> who throws a shoe? <laughs> 
Uh, that was another moment where I was like, I definitely have seen this Austin Powers. I now it's all it's all landing for me. Who throws the shoe? I think five shoes is good. Or or uh, on a scale of one to five big boys. Ah, uh, that's better. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and in a way, it never went away. You know, it's always no. really been here, mm-hmm. offering the same high quality, low low cost. Yeah, five shoes doesn't make sense because then something's missing. But right. five big boys, you're really on to something. Oh, yeah. You're going places. It's the perfect cover, really. Yeah. <laughs> and be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. With Dune making its way to theaters. And I actually, I'm sorry. With Dune making its way to theaters. There's just a lot of whispering in the trailer. I just oh. didn't. I, I just. I felt like it would get you more in the thing. But I it just felt wrong. With Dune making its way <laughs> to theaters. We decided it was time for us to um, maybe check out on some of those trimmers. Yeah, we're reviewing Tremors. Oh, nice. Hashtag Sand Snakes. 